to the Magic Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Chapman. Monday, June 29th, we are just about one month away from the return of NBA basketball, and I think we're all just about ready for it as well. We got the uh, seeding game schedule released uh, on Friday night, and so we know what the remainder of the regular season will look like for the Orlando Magic. You've got matchups with Brooklyn, Sacramento, Indiana, Toronto, Philadelphia, Boston, Brooklyn again and then the New Orleans Pelicans to finish things off. That'll be mid-August by the time you wrap up those seeding games, and then we'll see what happens with play-in games potentially, and then the postseason out at the Disney campus. And uh, finally making some movement here on the Back to Basketball plan, and to discuss that and much more, my guest for the program today, John Denton. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at John Denton 555 writer for OrlandoMagic.com. He's been covering the team and doing an outstanding job for years now, and just coming off a little mini vacation himself. Huh. Uh, I got one scheduled for next week. I'm nervous about it, but John, I'm going to get up to Orlando, uh, to Ohio. I'm going to get out of Orlando for a couple of days, go see my parents, and uh, I'm I'm a little nervous about getting out of the state. I'm a little nervous about traveling, uh, but I guess at this point, with all the numbers surging, it uh, we're just doing the best we can right now. JD, it's it, it's good to hear from you. How are you? I'm doing great, Jake. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was able to get away. We socially distanced on the uh, the boat and a lake in South Carolina. It was in the low 80s. It felt like it was heaven. Uh, you know, as soon as we crossed the border to come back into Florida, I see 96 on the on the thermostat. So it was like, man, it was good to go get away from the heat, get a little family time, get a little boat time. So, you know, now we got some NBA basketball. So I'm excited, man. Finally, some basketball. We've got a 4th of July, um, it's not a reunion, it's basically my family in Cleveland, and we have a safety protocol, it's not quite what the NBA has put forth, but we've got about a 10-page safety protocol set up for our 4th of July barbecue uh, next Saturday, so we're going to do the same thing, we're going to try, uh, I need to see my family at some point, but we're going to do it as safe and uh, socially distanced uh, as possible with masks, and we've got plans for the bathroom inside, but everybody's going to be outside. Uh, hanging around the pool, but um, certainly, look at this point, this time of year, it is um, it, it's much needed. But we all got to be safe, and, and I just keep saying we've come this far, so let's make sure uh, we keep up with this with the guidelines and the social distancing and the masks, and uh, and and just try to get through this thing together. Like yeah. I said, we're about a month from NBA basketball, JD, and as you get the schedule, you know it's funny because the Magic were poised there in mid March, John. Um, with a homestand coming up with a lot of sub-500 teams that are sitting there at 30 and 35. They've won three straight, playing really good basketball post-All-Star break. And then on Friday night, when I looked at the schedule, I said, boy, I don't, that doesn't look that great. Um, that it, it seems like all in all, um, the Magic are kind of at a disadvantage. And then when you think about it and you say, well, the, the bottom eight teams in the league aren't going to be at Disney, uh, and you actually go through and go through the, uh, the strength of schedule, the Magic have the 20th easiest schedule as opposed to uh, to the other 19 teams in front of them and a couple teams below them um, as far as the seeding games go. So when you looked at the schedule, I mean, obviously there was a formula behind it, but what was your initial reaction to what the Magic have left here to try to get into the postseason? Yeah, you know, Jake, like you said, before the stoppage, the Magic were poised for another late season run. They had an easy schedule. I think they had like the third or fourth easiest schedule remaining. You know, they had they had won three in a row. They had won six out of nine, eight of 12 before the break. There wasn't a team in the league that was hotter than the Magic before that stoppage. So you're thinking, okay, they're hot. They got an easy schedule coming up. This is going to look like another finish like last season. Well, then the, you know, then the pandemic hits. You wonder, you know, 
will the will you know will they be able to fix the schedule so that you know we've already played the hard part of our schedule we we had right. the part coming up and you know the NBA did a good job of that I think they took that into consideration that if you had an easy schedule coming up maybe you you know you should get a break and you know to to, to play Sacramento that's kind of out of it you're going to get Brooklyn who you're half game uh, you know uh, apart from. You're going to get New Orleans that's out of it right now. That that could be a heck of a game. That last yeah. game against New Orleans, there, there could be a lot on the line for the Magic and for you know and for New Orleans and Zion, and there could be on national TV. So a lot of craziness. But you know, I think they did a good job. I given given the Magic in Brooklyn a game right off the bat. Hey, the Magic could go from a game behind to a game ahead. They're on Brooklyn. Uh, they're they're only a half game back in the standings. They want to get out of that eighth seed. And and throw in the fact that they're also two and zero this season against Brooklyn. That's going to be a couple of fun games watching the Magic play the Nets. Right, you know, right off the bat, and then you get a, get them again in the uh, the seventh game and on on August eleventh. Yeah, I think you got to like the way that shakes out. Um, at the very least, the Magic are going to have a chance against that team that is a half game ahead of them for the uh, seventh seed in the Eastern Conference right now. Twice in the remaining eight games, so the Magic are going to get their crack. At, uh, at trying to snag that 17. We know, of course, we've been saying all year, basically, uh, or at least since the All-Star break, roughly, that uh, any way to get up to that 17, potentially avoid the Milwaukee Bucks would be ideal, but also the ability to try to avoid a potential uh, play-in. Best two out of three would be ideal uh, as well, or you know, loosely a best two out of three mm-hmm. scenario for that for that 8-9 play-in game. What do you think? I, I talked to Tim Reynolds last week, J.D., um, and, and and we dove into what do you think the basketball is going to look like <laughs> when we first come back? I mean, I, I think it's I think you can reasonably assess, and you've been through lockouts before, and you've seen kind of um, when when I guess the the schedule is interrupted, and even sort of the um, you know the year to year schedule. I mean, I, I have to think most players' bodies in late July are not ready for NBA basketball. <laughs> Um, just because of the calendar, and they, they've never been at that point playing that level of competition. What are some trends you could see, or do you think it, when you look at it, especially early on, is it going to be sluggish basketball? Is it going to be a lot of one-on-one? Is it going to favor uh, potentially one-on-one type players, jump shooting teams? Do you expect them to struggle? What do you expect to see early on just as far as the basketball goes? You know, first and foremost, Jake, I hope we don't see injuries. I hope we don't see yeah. pop hamstrings, but, you know, like you said, these these guys body they're creatures of habits. They you yeah. know, they all take their nap at the same time, they do their pregame shooting at the same time. They so their bodies uh, on a yearly calendar, they feel like they should be in the Bahamas right now, not getting ready for, you know, NBA basketball. So it's weird to have played, you know, we basically worked every day from from uh, September all the way to March and then you took 4 months off. So it's it's tough. Uh I I think it's going to be sloppy early on. Uh, I, you know, I know nothing about NASCAR, but there was a big NASCAR driver. The first race that they came back, he blew an engine on the first lap. Uh, you look at the, the four, uh, events so far in the PGA, the first three were won by kind of nobodies. Uh, you know, finally DJ won yesterday, but the big stars, you know, they, they've struggled coming back to the PGA. So I, I, I think the same thing could happen. You know, we're going to find out who's in shape, who's been working out, who's been eating right. Uh, you know, we're going to find out that the teams that were probably bonded the best before the break are probably going to be the ones bonded afterwards. You know, the Magic had a great chemistry going. They were sharing the ball. They were attacking early in the clock. Steve Clifford made some huge changes over the All-Star break and really got the offense going. You hope that they can find that again. You know, 
the, the teams that play together, the teams that lean on each other, I think the teams that, that don't have to have a guy play 40 minutes, if you spread it around and maybe get, a, you know, contributions from a lot of teams, I think it's going to favor those sort of teams. You know, if you're one team that, 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 that leans on one guy heavily, that might be kind of risky. You know, one, one hamstring pop, one, one, you know, positive COVID test could, could knock out a team. I mean, just imagine if, if LeBron James or Anthony Davis, something happened to one of them, that knocks them all the way out of it. If something happened to Kawhi Leonard, if something happened to Giannis, uh, that would knock that team all the way out of it. The teams that are more balanced, I really think it's going to favor them coming back. That's interesting. That's a that's a good way to look at because I keep thinking to myself, you know, when when the shot clock's low, for instance, you want to have James Harden, who you say, just go get me a bucket, please. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, this almost feels like a the shot clock's going to be low for about a month of basketball because it just <laughs> feels like it's going to be it's not going to be cohesive. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But with that said, I think you bring up a great point. On the flip side. That's putting a whole lot of stock into, first off, how in shape is James when he comes back? And I'm, I'm just using him as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you throw in that injury risk, and you're right. If you have, you know, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you better have Giannis. I think I was listening to Dan Levitard show a couple weeks ago. They said, uh, LeBron better have a Pope mobile when he's on <laughs> campus there because you better keep him. And he's talking about the NBA in general, but you better keep him completely isolated from everybody. And the same with Giannis. Uh, I would think um, they would make sure he is uh, yeah. protected to the T because Lord knows uh, one, one, you know, pulled calf muscle and there goes your title hopes right. um, for the magic specifically, because you're right. The magic are a much more balanced team. All things considered, you mentioned some of the changes. Let's go back. Cause I don't even remember last <laughs> season, John. I have no idea what happened uh, in February. What were some of those changes um, that Steve Clifford put into effect? Why was the offense clicking? Uh, before the stoppage, and do you think it'll, they'll be able to pick up loosely from where they left off? Obviously, um, that's a that's a, that's a big if. You know, you know, Jake Cliff is one of those guys. He never rests on his laurels, and you know the Magic yeah. were, a, were a top ten defense, but they were bottom five offense all most of the season leading up to the All Star break, and that really bothered Cliff. And you know, he spent the whole All Star break breaking down ways that the offense could be better. And one of the things he found is. You know, if you look at stats, and it only makes sense, it's, you know, natural. The further you go down in the shot clock, percentages usually go down. Shooting percentages go down, you know, points per possession, things like that go down. He figured out if the Magic would attack earlier, seek out shots earlier, push the pace earlier, get in their offense earlier, it could possibly help the team. And if you look at it, over those 12 games, uh, that 12-game stretch, I think it was 10 after the All-Star break, the Magic were number one in the league in scoring. They were like two or three in field goal percentage. Uh, you know, I broke it down. I wrote a story on OrlandoMagic.com. You know, when they were scoring in the first six seconds uh, of the shot clock, it went the percentage went up uh, of time scoring early in the clock and time scoring middle of the clock. You know, when you wait those last four or five seconds, you're going to have to hurry something. You're going to have to take whatever's there. Cliff got the team speeding up. That had a lot to do with why they won eight of 12 and – six of nine and three in a row before the break. They were attacking early. They they played Houston and, you know, they bashed Houston all over the court by, you know, running. Uh, it doesn't mean running and gunning. It just means get into your set earlier, uh, seek out shots earlier. You know, don't, don't rest on offense. You know, run into your offense, set your screens. They screened better. They attacked earlier. They shared the ball better, and it had dramatic results in those 10 games. You know, if, if Cliff did that over like a four-day all-star break, Imagine the changes he's going to come up with over a four-month break for the pandemic. I mean, this 
it, it, it sounds promising because you know Cliff's going to be a, a better coach and they're going to be a better basketball team after him having this this amount of time off. I think that's an important distinction, John, because we we talked all season long about a team as as defensively sound as the Magic were, a team that turns teams over like the Magic do, um, but then a team that struggles shooting from the perimeter like the Magic do. We, we, we've been kind of banging that drum um, since the beginning of the year, get out, let your defense create some offense for you, um, and, and and use your athletes to get some easy buckets in transition. But that but that distinction needs to be drawn at you know you're not just running for the sake of running. You need to get into your offense early, but you still have to get a good shot. And that doesn't mean it has to be within the first six seconds on the shot clock. Um, ideally, though, if you're using your defense to create offense, you're making it happen before defenses have the chance to get set. That's sort of the distinction that you're looking at. Um, and they were able to sort of strike that balance, weren't they? It's not just running just for the sake of running um, and, and burning yourself out and taking bad shots in transition, but it is, um, it, it, it's being more crisp and try and having that sense of purpose, like Cliff always says, to get into that offense a little bit quicker um, and not to just sort of, you know, move the ball around, try to work the offense just for the sake of working it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like early in the season, Jake Cliff would point out, the Magic at one time they were top five in the league in like turnovers forced, but they were bottom five in the league in points off turnovers. Right. So it wasn't adding up. You know why weren't they turning? They were they were forcing teams into mistakes. They were getting their hands on balls. They were you know top ten in deflections, but they weren't turning them into points on the other end. And you know he thought too often maybe they were slowing down and you know setting up the offense or you know seeking out the perfect shot and not attacking. Now, the way they were attacking after the break, I mean, they came from way behind against Memphis, uh, you know, turned on the offense. Uh, that second half against Brooklyn was incredible. Uh, all 48 minutes against Houston, I mean, they destroyed that Houston Rockets team right before the right before the pandemic set in. They'd won three in a row. They were a totally different team. And, you know, Cliff always says, to win in the NBA, you got to be a balanced team. You, you can't be a, a top-five defense and a bottom-five offense and expect to have any sort of consistency. But if they can be that top-five offense and, and you know, maybe uh, if they can be that top-five defense and just be in the top 12 to 15 offensively, and they were, you know, over those 10 games after the break, that's how you win in the NBA. That's how you win in the playoffs. That's how you become a consistent team. And, you know, that's what he's pushing for is, you know, don't ever be satisfied with being, you know, 500 you know push for more and, and cliff's always going to do that i'm always reminded jake you're a big big 10 uh midwest football guy yes sir Remember joe paterno nobody ever wanted to play joe paterno in a bowl game because if joe paterno had three weeks to prepare you were in trouble mm. you know uh nick saban you give nick saban two weeks to prepare you're usually going to lose uh so cliff's the same sort of guy he's gonna he's gonna make sure his team improves and he did that over that all-star break and I'm curious to see what he's come up with over this uh, this you know four month break uh, between games. No, and you mentioned that balance, and 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 boy, you saw it right before the break, didn't you? As far as top scorers go, uh, the Magic. Let's just go back like seven, eight games. You got Evan, Terrence, Evan, Vooch, Terrence, Vooch, DJ, Terrence, um, Aaron. So you know, as you go back and, and you look at it, it was everybody sort of settled into their role. Um, they're basically after the all-star break and, and what a difference it makes when you, when you can rely on it and you don't want to have to rely on it every night because he is, he does play that six man role for this team. But when Terrence Ross is rolling and we talked about it at that point as well, and hopefully it's something that we see doesn't take long to click back in the whole, and the entire team looks different when you got Terrence shooting efficiently and getting up in the twenties, done it. 
Yeah, you know, Jake, he is he is so important to this team. I mean, last season he was the first player in NBA history to make at least two hundred threes without starting a game. Mm-hmm. I and mean, there were so many times he bailed this team out last year where they would struggle for three quarters, T Ross would get hot in the fourth and take it to the next level. This season, there were a lot of instances where teams were saying, Terrence Ross is not going to beat us. Like, he made a three against Toronto early in the season. As he was running back up the court, Nick Nurse yelled, that's the last one you're going to make. You know, and T. Ross kind of laughed at it. And as it turns out, it was the last one because every time he came off the pick and roll, they trapped him and double teamed him. And Terrence is a good, is a willing passer. But, you know, when he passes it, the others have to attack and score. You've got right. three on two. got to make them pay. But. You know, Terrence Ross is not a starter, but he's arguably the second or third, maybe most important guy on this team uh, because he gives them that guy who can make a shot at the end of the clock. He can, you know, he can make a closely guarded shot. He can get going and score 12 points in, in three minutes. Uh, you know, he, he's a huge part of this team. And usually if you look at it, when he makes shots, when he makes threes, they're going to win. Yeah. Yeah, because it's funny that you put it that way because there's always guys – you know, the empty calories guys, you kind of tell them. And a lot of times it's guys who play the same role as T. Ross does where um, it's almost the inverse. If he's, if you're relying on him to make a lot of buckets and if he's up in the twenties or thirties, chances are you're going to lose that game. I don't remember many games throughout the year where T. Ross had it rolling and the magic weren't at least in it or, uh, or won that game. I mean, when Terrence Ross, it's a great indicator for that team. When Terrence Ross is rolling, um, the magic are usually playing their best basketball. He's so important. Uh, especially with that off the bench role, let me ask you about um, about this this undertaking in general. One of the things I talked with Tim uh, Reynolds about last week, and I heard Wendy uh, a couple weeks ago. He referred to the entire campus idea as preposterous, and and, <laughs> and, and, and in a good way. Um, when you when you take a step back, JD, and you think about the undertaking here, and Adam Silver and the league office have been working tirelessly, and they've done just an outstanding job. And there's always, if you try something this big, there's always going to be things um, that people are going to be questioned. Like there's no mm-hmm. perfect plan and there is no plan for a pandemic. And Lord knows there was no collective bargaining agreement put forth yep. uh, with a pandemic in mind, but the, just the undertaking and, and how far we've come already, how much is still to be done. And again, you know, no, nobody knows exactly how this is going to, to work out, but it certainly feels like they have spent tireless um, amounts of time planning and going through and setting forth a 100 and something page safety protocol and all of the different rules about media and control over the campus. The entire undertaking, JD, uh, has just been remarkable and we haven't even started yet. Yeah, this is this is an enormous project. And, you know, there were I heard some people on the radio, they were critical of the NBA, uh, you know, their inaction. They weren't they weren't doing anything. Well, they were coming up with this plan the whole time. I mean, to the, the detail in that plan was unbelievable. And, you know, from the start, if you think about it, there were a lot of people in the sports world who weren't taking this pandemic seriously until the NBA shut down. Right. And a lot of people were like, whoa, you know, Adam Silver always has the, you know, he has the, the health and safety of the players in mind. And if you look at the difference between baseball and, and basketball, in baseball, the owners and the players don't trust each other. The players and the commissioner don't trust each other. They they despise each other, in fact. In the NBA, they're able to get along. They're able to coexist because they trust the commissioner. They trust that he has their well-being in mind. And, you know, as for, you know, little things as much as 
you can play ping pong, but you can't play doubles ping pong. You got to be socially distanced. You got to be six feet apart. Like there was no detail that wasn't spared, you know, in that, in that memo that they put out uh, the guidelines of this, they're trying to keep everybody safe. They're trying to keep the well-being, and you know, kudos to the NBA, kudos to Adam Silver, kudos to Disney for helping pull this off. And you know, this is going to be big for Disney. They're trying to show the world that hey, if it's safe enough for LeBron James, if it's safe enough for James Harden, if it's safe enough for Nick Vucevic, it's safe enough for your family. And you know, kudos to, to Disney for working with the NBA, and you know, they've been a great partner with the Magic. Uh, you know, this is a heck of a huge project and somehow the NBA and Disney, they're going to make this thing work and it's going to be, it's going to be amazing to see. And, and let's all hope us keep our fingers crossed that it, that it goes off without a hitch. Last one, JD, cause you mentioned baseball and I thought, you know, as we were sort of bouncing around the plans for, for back to basketball, you, you know, you heard a lot of the, I guess a zanier ideas um uh round robin tournaments and 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 we know adam silver in the league office has interest in maybe a mid-season tournament somewhere down the line Mm -hmm. um like they do in the soccer world i know that you have to keep in mind and and they they even said this um you want to maintain the integrity of the season that that was interrupted right so you you do have kind of a fear of an asterisk you don't want it to be this one weird season in the record books and obviously it's going to be a little bit because no season's ever been interrupted due to a pandemic. I don't think the NBA was around back in 1919. Uh, mm. for, mm. But but the fear of the asterisk, and I, I thought the league did a really good job of striking that balance. Yes, this is unique. Yes, this is going to be something strange, but it's not completely different than what we know. Yeah, the 8-9 the play-in thing is kind of interesting, but I think that's an adjustment that you make because um, this is so unprecedented. But I think when all is said and done, assuming this all goes off without a hitch, it, you're going to look down the record book and you're going to say, yeah, that was a weird year, but whoever won that championship certainly earned it. And obviously what they did in the first 65 or whatever games of the season registered by the time they got to Orlando. I'm not sure baseball has that luxury because it's going to be a 60-game season. It, there's going to be a massive asterisk next to whoever wins the World Series this year. Did you think the NBA did a good job of sort of striking that balance between we want it to be similar to how it's always been, uh, but we recognize that this is completely unprecedented. So here's how we're going to do it. Yeah, you know, if Jake, if they had come back from this layoff and went straight into the playoffs, or they had some hokey, you know, one and done NCAA NCAA style tournament, I think then it would have been an asterisk. Yeah. But you know, the NBA got they're, they're fortunate they got seventy five percent of their season in or whatever it is. You know, they got. 65 65 of 82 games in the Magic's case, they got those done. So, you know, they got enough of the season in. They're going to finish it with some regular season. And then the playoffs are going to be the same as usual. I wondered if they were going to tinker with the playoffs, maybe make them best out of five or best out of three. Right. We're going to have four rounds of best of seven playoffs, which that's the way it's always been. So I don't think there's going to be an asterisk. I mean, if you think about it, 1998, the San Antonio Spurs beat the New York Knicks. I was there for that finals. That was the start of a, a great dynasty. Nobody put an asterisk by that. The mm-hmm. Miami Heat won in 2012 when there was a, a lockout that year. You know, there were only uh, – we started on Christmas, uh, you know, played 75% of the 66, season. Nobody yeah. yeah, nobody downplays that season. Uh, you know, the, the Heat won it that year. So I really think it's going to be a, a legitimate season, and I think we're going to see a, a true champion come out of this as long as you – you know, you didn't go straight into the playoffs and you didn't tinker with the playoffs. I think it's going to be, 
I think it's going to be great basketball. I think it's going to be a, a legitimate thing. And I think people are going to be glued to their sets. You know, they're, they're, people are hungry for competition. They're hungry for, you know, NBA basketball. I think it's going to be something special. And let's just hope that, you know, we, they're, they're able to stay safe. There's, there's the outbreak doesn't reach Disney. Let's hope there's no major injuries, things like that. But otherwise, I think it's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal playoffs coming coming ahead. No, I agree. I uh, couldn't agree more. And I think uh, I speak for you and I and just about everybody around town when I say we are ready for some uh-huh. NBA basketball uh, coming up here at the end of the month. He's John Denton. You can follow him on Twitter at John Denton 555. He writes for OrlandoMagic.com. Does a phenomenal job. Uh, as always. JD, thank you. Appreciate the time. Stay safe. And I will talk to you, I'm sure, virtually uh, sometime again soon. My pleasure, Jake. Have fun in uh, Ohio. Take care. Okay, appreciate it. There he is, John Denton, Jake Chapman here. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jake Chapman OM. This has been Magic Weekly, as noted. I'm going to take a break. Next week, we'll be back uh, two weeks from now with another edition of the Magic Weekly podcast. Have a great week. Very safe and happy Fourth of July, everybody.